Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm so glad you're here. This is episode 348. Well, today I'm excited to share with you our guest, Connor O'Brien. I am introducing Connor to the podcasting world for the first time. This is really exciting. Connor and I actually met through an accountability group. He and I have been touching base on a weekly basis for the past year and a half now. He's an awesome guy. He's an engineer, real estate investor, lives in Chicago, absolute young hustler. So I'm really excited to have Connor on the podcast. Connor, hey, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's our pleasure. Well, Connor, hey, can you start by kind of telling us a little about who you are, what you do, your background, where you come from, just all that good stuff. So my name's Connor, originally from Minnesota. I moved to Chicago about about five years ago. Really moved here for a job. We're both engineers. I was, you know, grab, graduated my engineering degree, got a job out here, and uh, been interested in real estate for really the last four out of those five years heavily. And uh, I've been partnered up with Jake, actually. The first time I uh, heard of him was on Bigger Pockets, obviously. Oh, heard yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, then we randomly got partnered up through that 90-day accountability thing. You know, this was over a year ago now. And um, obviously was super stoked because I knew you had been on the podcast and stuff. So a um, little starstruck at first, but yeah, over the course of the last year, it's been amazing. I feel like we've kind of been on a journey together. So um, yeah, it's been cool and definitely grown a lot in real estate in the last year since we've been doing that. So definitely excited to kind of dig into it. Yeah, man, this is fun. You know, you and I connect every week on a weekly call. So this is going to be really fun kind of digging into this podcast. But let's kind of back up, talk about your story. So, you know, you kind of were seems like you were kind of born with that blueprint to go to school, get a good education. You and I both went to engineering school, got good jobs, right? And then you were, you know, at this kind of point in your career where you thought, okay, what's next? So how did you kind of end up in the real estate world? Like why, how, what, where? Talk about that. So actually my best friend um, growing up when we were both in eighth grade, he gave me the, uh, he gave me Robert Kiyosaki's book, um, it's funny cause now he, he doesn't do real estate, but I've got like, you know, a couple properties. And, um, so he really kind of turned me on to it in a weird way. You know, we're still really good. He's still my best friend and or one of my best friends. And it's just kind of funny how that worked. Right. It was like, uh, yeah. And ever since reading that, obviously that was kind of my goal was like, just like you mentioned, you know, get the engineering degree and then get a little bit of cash and start doing rental properties because you obviously read that in the book and um you know i think it was i think that i when i uh first read it and you know you you google engineering salaries you think you're gonna (laughs) 
you think you're going to take the whole salary home with you and you're like, wow, I can get my first property after the, the first year of salary. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pocket all that, you know, that yearly salary. And obviously it doesn't work like that, but, um, something about these things called taxes, right. Which are just a killer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it was a little bit more difficult, I would say to get into it than I was thinking it would be. But, um, you know, I think with the right, you know, you have people who hold you accountable and have other ideas and anything's possible, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that was kind of how I got into real estate. And like, since we've been doing our, our accountability group, it's always good to talk about it every, every week. Right. So, that's yeah. So let's kind of, uh, kind of unpack how you and I know each other. So you kind of touched on it, but you and I were kind of assigned through bigger pockets to this accountability group where you and I and several other guys just kind of got put into this, uh, you know, online accountability group. Cause we both bought the, uh, intention journal by Brandon Turner, right. Which I still use to this day. I absolutely love it. So you and I, and the rest of these guys started connecting on a weekly basis it was and uh you and i have kind of kept it going ever since and uh obviously formed a relationship over it so uh you know let's kind of talk about the power of just this accountability group and, and accountability groups and masterminds in general yeah to me it's it's the thing right um with something that is as complicated and um you know i feel like for me my personally I always looked at real estate as really cut and dry, right? Save up money and then you invest it. But like we talked about right away is like all that, you know, there's a lot of money involved, right? And how do you get that money? You know, what, how do you structure deals? Those are all things that um, I didn't really understand going into this, uh, going into this accountability group. And I think I've, that's like one of the biggest ways I've grown is like, you know, I, I I think we all have a good understanding of what's possible, right? Hey, I want to be financially free. I want to have wealth, but then how do we get there? How do we connect that gap? And what I think a lot of people don't realize is it's people like you and I, you know what I mean? We're very similar. Like you and I were both engineers. You're killing <laughs> yeah. on a whole other level. No, right? not at all. <laughs> it's like, I want to get, you know, how are we going to get there together and, you know, learning from each other on, how like your seller finance deal is a perfect example, right? It's like, wow, like that's possible. You know what I mean? Like, and then that, nuts and bolts, how do you structure that? Cause that's really, that's really the barrier between getting a deal like that done is, you know, having somebody who's done it before successfully. So to me, and then, yeah, just the account, the weekly accountability, like, Hey, I'm getting this done. And if I'm calling you every week and I'm saying, Hey, I still haven't got this done. It's like, man, let's figure something else out. Right. So that, that the structure of that, and we, I would love to get into that because I think we have a pretty good cadence with ours, but just in terms of like reviewing the week, talking through your struggles and then what's the next step. Right. And then yeah. Yeah. It. You know, okay. So I, I think a point I like to bring out here is uh, one I didn't really realize that about your path, uh, you know, having read rich dad, poor dad in eighth grade, and then kind of always knowing that that was the path you wanted to take. So, you know, you, you went to school with the expectation to earn a high salary and engineers earn a pretty respectable salary, but at the end of the day, it's not like insanely high or anything, but you know, you can live a nice, comfortable life. So you kind of take that career path. And then from day one, you kind of know you want to do this real estate thing, right? So then the, 
where this accountability group comes in into play, I think, is, you know, it goes back to that Jim Rome quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? And if you don't have anybody in your inner circle, your peer group, or your friends or family that are doing this real estate thing, and it can be hard to like, like you said, kind of be plugged into that world. Now, in today's day and age with, you know, Zoom and, you know, the online, you know, just world of real estate investing, it's so easy to go plug into a network like that and find somebody who's doing it, what you're doing. Um, and that's what this accountability group's done for both you and I and others and, and anybody else that's ever had part of a, been part of an accountability group, I think. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's really, you know, where the power of that accountability group comes in. For sure. Definitely. I've grown a ton, grown absolute ton. And, uh, you know, I think it's funny, just uh, reminiscing on this accountability group that uh, you and I are, are part of now, um, you know, when it first started, I think it was like mid 2019. And so just the idea, um, the way I kind of differentiate accountability groups and masterminds are accountability groups are like, you're getting together with a few people and you're saying, Hey, here's what my goals are. Here's what I'm going to do. And then you get back up, meet back up with these people and you say, Hey, here's what I did. Here's what I didn't do. And you hold each other accountable. Right. But it's almost not like you're holding yourself accountable to somebody else. You're holding yourself accountable to yourself in front of others. It's like, they're there to witness you, like make that commitment to yourself. Right. So I found it really funny. Like I didn't know you at the time, but I'm like, I have to get this done this week. Cause I told some random guy I met online in Chicago that I was going to do it. And what did I do? I would do it. Or if I didn't do it, I pressed really hard to get it done. And I had a plan to, you know, catch back up the following week. And it's like, why, why does that like trigger in your mind to like actually make you do something? What's your take there? That's a good one. Yeah. I guess my take is, for me, like, yeah, obviously, if you're every day, you got to explain every week, you got to explain like, hey, this is this is what I want to do. And it's the same thing as last time. And I still haven't done it. Um, I feel like part of that is just explaining coming up with an, an, an action plan, right? Like we do, we do mins, right? We do like, what's the next step? We Most do important next step. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we do like, what's the big goal? So I feel like really, like you and I, we've, we've, uh, or one thing that you've been really good at in my life is just breaking down you know, is this really critical, Connor? You know, you keep saying you want to do this every week. Is this really part of your bigger goal or do we need to do something? Should we refocus a little bit? And then also just nuts and bolts. Like I keep coming back to that. Like, I think that, um, you know, you've been really critical in helping me, like, what is the next step here to get this refinanced, you know, and then we can kind of spitball and talk through our different experiences. Like do obviously like we've really connected the last couple of weeks on just how hard it is to refinance. In, in <laughs> yeah, and, some more uh, stories there. Yeah, so I feel like just talking through that with each other, you know, bouncing ideas off you has really helped and hopefully, got my fingers crossed, be closing next week on mine. So, um, yeah, that, that to me is just come having somebody to bounce ideas off of and, like, come up with an action plan. Like, sometimes I feel like I can sit down with a piece of paper and write up, hey, here's what I got to do, but in practice – um, there's probably a better way to do it. And I feel like to me, that's, yeah, that's, that's what it is, is just talking it through with people. And then if it's somebody else's putting, pushing, adding value to your life, you kind of want to, you know, make the most of it. Right. So like, yeah, sure. So to me, that's what it is really. And yeah, obviously a great group of guys. 
Um, and the value is like, you know, you know, more than just a one-way street. You know, I, I call you and I talk to you about things and I'm like, oh, you, you just refinanced that five unit. Tell me, you know, did you use a local lender? How'd that work? Or, you know, you know, you're really good about like the operations and actually fixing stuff. You're way more handy than I am. So I'm like, what are you doing about that roof thing? You know, uh, you know, cause like pretty, pretty, uh, knowledgeable when it comes to those things. But, um, no, that's awesome. You know, I think to pull out a piece of advice for the audience members, if you're listening in right now and you're thinking, well, you know, I am interested in this real estate thing, or I feel like I'm in my own kind of a echo chamber. I've got no one to, you know, bounce ideas off of. I'd recommend, you know, reach out to someone, you know, start your own mastermind. It's totally easy. I mean, it's just a phone call, you know, just set a recurring weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever phone call with a group of people who are about doing what you're doing, maybe a few steps ahead of you or a few steps behind you, whatever it is. It's, you know, totally doable for anybody out there with an internet connection or a phone connection or whatever, right? Yep, absolutely. I recommend that too, man. It's been been instrumental for me at least. So let's talk about some of your real estate deals because you've got some really cool and unique stories of how you got started. So tell us about, you know, that first deal, what it was, how you got started. And maybe before you get into like the nuts and bolts, just talk about like maybe a little bit of mindset. You know, you were a recent college graduate. You could have just, you know, coasted through life and had a pretty cush job and, you know, Netflix on the weekends and, you know, taking your foot off the gas, right? But you continued to push. So talk about how you got started, why, and then what that looked like. Well, kind of like I alluded to, you know, this was always part of my plan. Um, you know, I wanted to be financial freedom. It's like you read that book and I feel like everybody who reads it, right. They're like, wow, I gotta do, I gotta do something about this. So, you know, I grew, I started working and I, I really tried to save as much money as I could. Right. Um, you know, living in an apartment renting and stuff. Um, you know, that doesn't play, that doesn't play out as good as I was imagining, obviously. But um, yeah, I think I had been working for about a year and a half. So I'd saved up, you know, like 25 grand or something like that. Um, so that was, that was really my mindset was just get a house as soon as possible. And, you know, listening to the podcast, obviously, I was trying to get one that was going to cash flow, right? So I was using the bigger pockets calculator every day. I was using the MLS. That's how I got it, right? It was just MLS, just how anybody would do it, right? MLS, so, MLS, bigger pockets calculator every day. I was doing that. And then just trying. looking at duplexes in your market, you, were you pretty set on like a small multi? Were you looking at single families? What was like your criteria and your goal? My criteria, I was looking at multi. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that, you know, the more the better. But what I started finding was that um, in Chicago, a lot of the lots are the same size, right? So you go more units you're going to go less bedrooms. Yeah. Okay. If you're kind of getting the same square footage, whether it's two units, four units, whatever. So that was kind of what I zeroed in on. Obviously I was open to whatever. Right. But, um, if it was just the tip, if it was, if I was showing up to the property and it was the same lot size that everything else is, I was starting to zero in on like a duplex just because they're kind of small lots here in the city. And, um, I wanted more bedrooms, less, more bedroom unit, higher bedroom units, um, just for the areas I was looking in. That seemed like the cash flow was getting better. And as I mean, sure, I'm sure you can speak to too. Like, um, you start to get a feel for it, right? You start to get a feel for it when you first when you write see a when you see a property, you can kind of tell what the numbers yeah. are going to look like. 
Yeah, so, right, right. You kind of n- get narrowed down in that market. You can kind of tell, hey, this property is going to, you know, it's a pretty nice property. It might rent for 1200 or 1500 or 500 whatever it is in your market. You can kind of, that's what I love about real estate, right? I say it's tangible and you can kind of like, you can kind of have an intrinsic value to it. Like you can drive by it, look like, okay, that's a pretty nice property. And I know the market and it's in a really good neighborhood. And you just kind of have a somewhat idea of its value, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like you and I both, we kind of narrowed in on a market um, right away and we were able to do that. That's how I got into this property actually that I'm in right now. Um, It was a HUD 203K. So basically, I mean, like everybody, right? I wasn't saving as much money as I'd like to right when I got into a job, but I was able to, you know, get about 25,000, which, you know, if you're going to buy a property cash, you know, in Chicago, yeah, it just wasn't, nothing was adding up. So I had to kind of find another way to do that. And for me, that was the HUD 203K. So tell us about what that is exactly, because I'm familiar with FHA, right? Many people are. That's, you know, Federal Housing Administration. That's the agency where you get some of these low down payment loans. But what is the 203K loan? It is literally my favorite loan product loan. I love talking about it on the forums. If you go on the forums, it's all over there, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing, right? It's a uh, uh, HUD product. It's an FHA product that basically can you can... um, you wrap the refinance portion of your uh, rep or wrap the rehab portion of your budget into the loan. Um, and it's still only three and a half percent down. So you can so, finance not only the property, but the, the rehab cost as well to fix up the property. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, like everybody knows people don't want to do rehabs, right? Cause they just don't get it or they don't, um, they don't have the money for it. So right. that, that just makes those properties automatically more accessible to you and I and anybody else. So um, yeah, I found one that basically had a terrible tenant in it and um, she, yeah, she had just completely destroyed everything. There was a mouse infestation. Oh no. Yeah. There was a leak in the, in the bathroom that she had just wrapped a towel around and just left it there for probably a year. Is kind of what we were thinking. Um, so it was just all leaking everywhere down into the crawl space and all the wood was completely rotted out. And I just remember seeing it and the layout was like perfect, but it just had all these issues. And I was like, this is perfect. Now I think it's funny as a real estate investor, you have to train yourself to look at these like kind of unsightly properties. Sometimes these problems as opportunities, right? And I've kind of gotten to that point, but at first you see a property like, Oh, it's run down or it's got this problem. You don't want it. But now as a real estate investor, and somebody who's lost, always looking to add value, I'm like, oh, that's, uh, that's a problem I could solve right there, right? So it's kind of a funny uh, just perspective. Absolutely, yeah. So um, went through the whole HUD 203K process, and the way that it works is basically you have a, a consultant come in, they work with you, they, say, they give you an ARV. So you walk through with them, you're like, hey, this is what I want to do. This is the level of rehab I want to do. And then they're like, okay, here's the ARV. It works, right? Um, it'll still be able to sell in this market with this amount of rehab and you'll still make a profit. So they're saying, okay, the bank, this is bankable. Right. And then you get your contractors in there and you give them a scope of work um, and then get bids back. And then basically the bank agrees to that. It's a contract between the bank, you and your contractors, and then you close and um, the contractors get to start. So what me and my dad is, we actually went in and we did all the demo ourselves. 
just so you could kind of see, we could kind of see what it looked like. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I remember we got the bathroom floor up and there was uh, earthworms and uh, um, there were actually, there were active termites in the property. We knew that when we got it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that was a nightmare. And uh, yeah, there was literally earthworms in the floor because she had just let the water run for so long that it was so rotted um, under the tile. So yeah, it was a disaster, but um, we made it through, fortunately. Um, that definitely, that definitely was a good experience just to see how bad it could be and how you could get kind of work through it. And then now I live here, you know, right now. And that, that, uh, FHA 203K loan is a great loan product that lends itself well to the Burr method, right? The buy rehab, rehab, an important component right here, right? Rent refinance, repeat, right? And you've house hacked it, meaning you've lived in one unit, have the other units rent go towards your mortgage and subsidize your living costs. So then you're able to save more and save more and kind of rinse and repeat, right? Yep. And so, yeah, what I, my ultimate goal was to, um, I wanted to do the HUD 203K, get the house hack going, obviously, um, but then I also wanted to refinance out of that HUD 203K. So that, that would basically mean, so here's my numbers, right? I bought it for 130 and I put um, 30,000 into it. That was my rehab loan. Um, so, you know, I'm into it for 160. Um, and then I, I wanted to have, to me, a successful project would be able to be, to refi out of the FHA. So I would have 20% equity instead of, uh, instead of three and a half percent equity, right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. get rid of the, get rid of the mortgage insurance. Yeah. But, um, and so we went through, I, I remember we t- talking about this, but I tried two times unsuccessfully to do that. But, um, the way I look at that really, right. Is that, um, it was a, yeah, it's, it's just like the burr. And the cool thing is, and I don't actually know if this is legal, but when I got done, my contractor had extra money and he cut me a check, right? So I ended up doing it practically no money down because um, you end up getting most of your closing costs. You know, I think closing costs for that for a $160,000 FHA property was only about eight and a half thousand, I think is what yeah, it was. Yeah, right. Wow. So, um, then I get a check for, you know, 4,500 bucks when I'm done. And, um, you know, so I end up only being into it for, you know, a couple thousand. Wow. That is so to recap, you, you find, you go out, you kind of narrow down in your market, you find a property type you want. You're just analyzing deals every single day until you're getting a real good feel for the property type, the market, just what's going on there. You finally find this target property. You do an FHA 203K loan on it. You, re, you finance both the purchase price and the rehab at three and a half percent down. So you put ballpark $8,000 down get the rehab done. Now you've got a nice rehabbed property that you get to live in with your wife on one unit and have a tenant in the other helping pay your rent. And then the idea is to eventually refinance out of that. So you can kind of do that again, right? What an awesome strategy. I mean, like just the FHA loan in general, just doing a straight three and a half percent down loan is great. But when you add that 203k loan component to it, wow, what great stuff. Absolutely. I recommend it to anyone. And then the cool thing is too, right? Like, yeah, I wasn't successful right away in getting that, getting rid of the MIP, but I'm paying down my loan every month, right? So yeah. I keep getting closer and closer and closer. And one day I'll be able to do that, right? I'm actually yeah. I'm really close. I think I might be able to do it in the spring. 
and you know now our interest rates are low so it's a good it's a win-win so to me that's what real estate is too right is like yeah you might not have hit a home run but you still got a base hit and you're still going to make it around to home plate right that's kind of yeah. and you got in the game like most importantly you just got the ball rolling right yeah, absolutely absolutely so. awesome man so you know that deal obviously worked out great is working out great for you so you decide hey this real estate thing it's pretty cool i think i'm going to keep doing it is that the path Oh, absolutely. 100%, man. Like, uh, yeah, living for free, as they always talk about on the podcast, is amazing. So, yeah, yeah. my the rent right here is 2300 bucks. So, that's the total rent. Upstairs, it's uh, 1275 So, um, and my mortgage is 1300 bucks. That's everything, right? The That's the escrow amount. So, that's the insurance. Taxes and insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything is 1300 And upstairs, she's paying 1275 so 25 bucks every month is how much I pay. So oh, your cool. portion of the rent is only $25. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a probably a rent you can keep, uh, keep paying. Then that's awesome, man. So great. So, um, yeah, I've been able to save, and I lived here for two years, so I've been able to save tons of money, you know, every month you say like all your money was going to rent. And yeah. Right. Saving it. So. So what advice would you have to somebody who's maybe interested in, in uh, incorporating this strategy, maybe looking for a target property, any kind of like insider advice or, Hey, I didn't know this going into it. Any kind of tips or uh, advice you've got for somebody who's maybe interested in doing an FHA 203k loan? Absolutely. Well, I just convinced my fiance to uh, do it. So we're actually under contract right now for another one. Oh, you're going to do it again. Yep. So um, I preach it all day, man. But um, yeah, so I would, and actually, interestingly, her process has been a lot better than mine. Um, I used just some random mortgage broker. Um, she went with recommendations and they've really been helpful. Like the lender has been helpful helping her. And I had zero help from the lender when I did mine. So I would do a little bit of research, maybe look at the Bigger Pockets forums, try to find who's a good lender in your area. And uh, you really want someone who's going to make you do the process correctly, right? Like mine, I didn't, they didn't care if we were pulling permits or not. They didn't care about any of that stuff. You know, they just wanted, let's try to close this thing because it's a mortgage broker, right? And ultimately they sell it off. So I would say, look, yeah, for any newbie, I would look, try to find uh, either a lend, a mortgage broker or a bank that, that people recommend you doing the HUD 203K for. And then um, you need a contractor you can trust, obviously, which is probably the tricky part for most people. Yeah, sure. I think you bring up a really good point there. Like, you know, you did this deal and it worked out great, but you made some mistakes and you learned from them the next time, right? Like you can't be afraid to, you know, get into a deal and make some mistakes. I mean, you've got to mitigate those risks as much as possible. Educate yourself, try to know what you're getting into. But at the end of the day, you're not going to really know everything or be able to mitigate every single thing. You just kind of have to take action roll with the punches, and then you take those lessons learned to the next deal, right? And that's what you've done. Yeah, another thing I did this loan was, um, this time around, was I put a, our mortgage contingency, I made that to be like 60 days. On my first one, I had 30 days. And for a HUD 203K, like a lot of people, I see people on the forums always saying like, oh yeah, you'll be done in 30 days, no problems. Like, no, man, this is not a normal mortgage. You have to get quotes, you have to get, you know, everybody has to go sign off on everything. You get feasibility reports. There's tons of stuff you don't have to do in a normal mortgage. So um, it takes a lot longer. So that was another thing, just being realistic with everybody and saying, Hey, it's really going to take about 60 days. You know, we're trying to get it done sooner, but um, that's what I would say too, is just have a long mortgage contingency on your thing. And 
if you're putting out long mortgage contingency, you can put, you know, put a bunch of offers out there. You're probably not going to get everybody, everyone accepted, but yeah, um, good point. Yeah. So this yeah. small multifamily thing is obviously working out well for you. You buy that first duplex. I know you're doing a duplex now, but that's not your second deal. You actually had a deal in between. So tell us about that. So the, uh, yeah, the deal in between, um, was, a was a five unit apartment building. Um, this one, now we're exactly. talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake actually has an eight unit too. So, um, he knows the struggles, but, uh, yeah. that one's been a fun one. And that one is kind of right when I got onto the, or when we started hook, when we hooked up, that was right when I was starting to get that deal. So that's, that's a uh, reason enough to have an accountability group right there. I would say is, um, you know, if you want to get to the next level, I mean, that was kind of what I looked at as being my next level. And, uh, I was only able to get there through this, uh, this group that we had. Yeah. But, that's, um, that's awesome, man. And we don't have to get into the details of every single deal, you know, but, uh, I just wanted to pull that out. Like, you know, you did that duplex deal, you know, you kind of got your feet wet with it, learned a lot. Then, you know, it's working out well for you. Your mortgage is $25 or your rent, your portion of the mortgage is $25 a month. So, I mean, that just allows you so much flexibility just in lifestyle in general, you're able to save some money, reinvest, knock down that five unit. And then you just go back to, you know, you're wanting to do this next duplex as your primary residence, right? So you're going to yeah, move yeah. to the new duplex, do that FHA 203K loan again. And I know you and I have been looking at deals together and you're constantly looking to grow and expand. Talk a little bit about the market. You live in an expensive market in Chicago. So how have you been able to make that work? I know you've gone out of state and done some creative things like that. So talk about that. Yeah, I think uh, to me, that's another reason for accountability, right? I think we started talking and your numbers in Kansas or, or uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> it's all south to you, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah, your numbers are your numbers are way nicer than we do up here, right? In, in the city. So part of that, part of that, why I had to branch out and get, get into Indiana was just looking for those types of numbers, right? You talk to people and you're like, oh, wow, they're doing that. And like, that's, a, that's one thing you miss with RIAs, right? Or like local groups is everybody's looking at the same property pool. They might be able to get a 15, $20,000 less than you because they're insider scoop. But when you talk to people, you know, like you're in Texas and you're all, you're in Oklahoma, you got a couple of different locations that you're familiar with. And I start seeing your numbers and I'm like, wow, man, I got to really branch out. So, um, yeah, honestly, part of that was just talking to people in accountability groups and seeing like, Hey, like the cash flow that I need right now, I'm not going to get it in Chicago. Um, and to grow quicker, like you just can't do that. So yeah, just so everybody knows this property gross rents, this one's, pretty special but gross rents are like 2300 and uh it's at uh yeah like i got it for 160 all in with the rehab so yeah so that rent to value is pretty favorable over one percent well yeah, yeah over the one percent you know i'm not at the two percent by any means and i kind of had realized that hey you know and looking around i was like i'm not I'm never gonna find i'm not gonna find something like this you know easily so um yeah, to me, I had to really branch out and 
that's the reason why I went into Indiana. So I can remember time, like when a light bulb went off in your head, right. And you kind of had this idea of like, okay, this is a five unit. This is a commercial property, a little bit of a different animal than your duplex, triplex, or even four unit, right. And the way it's valued. And so you start increasing the rents, you know, getting uh, the occupancy up and stabilized and you've got the expenses under control. And now you realize you've increased the value of this five unit significantly. And you've been able to refinance it and keep the velocity of your money and your equity moving and, and rolling into another property. So I think that's a, a really powerful thing and a differentiator between residential and commercial real estate. Absolutely. Yeah. That's been pretty life-changing even over, you know, I've had that thing for like just a little bit over a year now. Um, and yeah, man, it's been wild. Right. Cause as we all know, even especially right now, like the market's crazy, you know, prices are inflated you know, some places parts are, prices are decreasing. It's like, those are all things that just change with emotions, which with everything. But when you have a, an income stream, that's constant and you control that. Right. And um, yeah, that's been really powerful. And I know we talk about it a lot. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk about something from uh, the listener's perspective. So uh, you and I, you know, we listen to a podcast, we're in, in these real estate networks and different groups and stuff. And sometimes I see these headlines and it's like 25 year old owns a billion dollars of property in just three years, or, you know, it's like just these flashy headlines and my mind always, and I, I know it's not the right thing to do, but sometimes my mind's like, what's that guy have, or what's that girl doing that I don't, they must've, they had some kind of angle that I wasn't, you know, I didn't have, they had some kind of advantage. Right. And then my mind starts thinking instead of just thinking, wow, good for that guy, man. Like, that's awesome. You know? So somebody listening might be thinking, okay, well, Connor, obviously, I don't know, has some silver spoon he was born with. I mean, he's an engineer. He's a smart dude. He lucked out and got a sweet duplex or that five unit or whatever. But that's not really the case. I mean, you've put in a lot of hard work and, you know, your story is one that's very relatable. And, you know, I just want to kind of pull that out. Like, you know, you didn't have any kind of special advantage over the average everyday person per se, yeah. relatively. Yeah, honestly, to be pretty candid here, like, um, I feel like that's something we talk about. That was something we start talked about early on in our group was like, where are we going to get this money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause, cause that's kind of going back to what I said about in the beginning was, you know, yeah, I thought I was going to be making, you know, you Google like engineer salary, whatever, six, beginning salary, 60,000. I was like, wow, I'm only going to need to work for two years and then I'll be able to buy a $120,000 house. And it's like, no, man, uh, <laughs> work like that. And I don't know why I thought that, but, um, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, let me get my neck, let me get a property, got the property. I'm like, how am I going to, now I'm going I'm to live in each one of these properties and, that was just kind of a disconnect there for me. So we talked a lot and uh, it was like, I think, you know, we were like, well, who do we know who has money, right? Parents, friends and family. Those, those are your first go-to sources for sure. Go-to sources and look, it ended up being my dad, right? Um, and honestly, it was a great deal for him, right? So just to get your viewers on board here, like my dad had an IRA. He had 115,000 in it. And we pulled it out at the top of the market. So this was what, uh, well, yeah, not quite the top, but close. It was something like, like mid early 2019, right? Early 2019 pulled it out and bought this five unit. Um, and you know, I'm not a great operator. I'm not like a, not like a Brandon Turner, a 
Jacob Ayers. Ayers <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> I, you know, I was able to get this thing under contract. Yeah, it was not a home run. We missed a bunch of stuff in the inspections, right? Went through the toilet seal. Was I remember I showed you, right? Like first that was a terrible picture. Yeah, it was like <laughs> this basically tarp holding up all the poop and pee into this bathroom. And we had to go in and redo everything. Um, so, yeah, it was not a home run deal. We got a cash, though, right? And cash is king, as everyone knows. So got my dad on board, got ca- got this property cash, um, and then did all these was able to pay myself out of pocket because I was house hacking all these repairs. Um, so he, he got a huge tax return last year. He didn't have to pay any capital gains essentially because we have all these expenses of fixing up the properties. And then now he sat out a, a major, uh, a major downturn, right? Yeah. Less poignant to talk about now because we're all almost back up to where we were, but um, yeah, he essentially sat that all out. And then um, now he's uh, now we're getting it. We just successfully refinanced it a year later for every 115,000, get it all back out. So it's like, yeah, you know, you may not trust yourself with, with uh, your friends and family's money, but trust real estate with it. Right. Um, real estate is like, you know, it's the way to wealth and happiness. Right. So, right. I love it. You know, <laughs> I, I want to repeat what you just said. You said, you know, you don't trust yourself with other people's money, but trust real estate with it. Right. And I really think that's the, uh, that's the vehicle that you're really investing in. Right. It's the real estate, man. That's so awesome. Um, just trying to recap, like, you know, your general, your general story, you know, uh, I guess one question I have for you is, you know, like why, why do all this, right? Like, you know, you've you've got a pretty comfortable life. You could have easily just, you know, done your nine to five, gone home, been comfortable, watched Netflix, bought toys, you know, that kind of thing. Like, why do you continue to do this? What drives you? What motivates you? Uh, Talk about that. For me, I really want to have kids one day. um, And I want to be able to pour into them and pay, you know, pay for their education. Um, That's something that's, I value education a lot. So that's something that uh, I want to do. Um, also, you know, I think we put a lot of faith. I saw, you know, I have some uncles and aunts who I, who put a lot of faith in like their retirement packages and the company they're working for. And I think that that's one thing for like you and I, you know, in the private sector, um, we got to be careful, you know, who, who we put our, putting our trust in these companies because they don't owe you anything. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, I've been the same company for five years. It's like, seen a lot of people get cut you know it's like a sports team right you kind of if you're not you're not adding value you can get cut so to me it was that was a lot of that was a big part of it was just trying to diversify a little bit and make sure that i've got some income coming in if i do get fired for one reason or another get laid off um and then like you're not able to feel that pressure of just um you know how do i need to what do i got to do to make more money right yeah Um, yeah so to me, that was a big thing. It's just kind of for, for me, I think maybe it probably is the same for you. It just kind of comes down to that, you know, having control over your own financial future and just, you know, the ability to, you know, do what you want, when you want, where you want eventual, eventually is the goal, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Awesome, man. Well, hey, your story is super inspiring. I mean, I it's been a long time coming to get you on the podcast. We should have done this sooner. Um you know, it was probably a little bit of inside back and forth here, you know, inside information here. But, uh, you know, if anybody's interested in learning more, I know you're very uh, reachable on social media and bigger pockets and things. But before we wrap up, let's end with our lightning round questions. Are you up for it? Absolutely, man. 
All right. So the first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what'd you do to overcome that? I think, uh, I think the, um, you know, money piece of it was my biggest hurdle, obviously. I think it is for a lot of people. Um, and I think accountability, you know, talking to people and having them say, yeah, you can ask, you know, you can ask people for, to bank you or to loan you money. Um, you know, talk, you know, I know that you do that, you know, you've done that before and, um, plan to do it, you know, on a bigger scale here and just talking to people to get the confidence to do that. To me, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Awesome. Connor, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? I think 100%, you know what the answer is going to be. It's uh, accountability, right? Having those groups, having those mastermind groups to talk you through problems, figure out what the next step is going to be, and then ask you why the hell you didn't do it last week. I like how you think of that as a, uh, as a habit too, because that kind of is what it is, right? You got to oh, yeah. make a habit of checking in and, you know, being accountable. If without the habit, it's like, you know, you can't just be accountable once every year, whenever you want, right? So defeats the purpose, but. Well, do you have an online resource you find valuable in your day-to-day? Day-to-day, Stessa, you know about Oh, yeah, Stessa, I love that. Mm -hmm. Tell us about what that is and what it does for you. So it's an online, um, I would call it like a property management tool. Mm -hmm. Um, And you link your bank accounts up with it, and basically it'll tell you what your net operating income is, what um, what your expenses are. And it's also got a tax package. So when it comes to tax season comes around, you can just fire that right off. And- that changed my life this year when it was <laughs> came to taxes. I'm telling you, uh, yeah, you know, starting out, you know, you have no systems and you start kind of building them as you go. And it's, it's, it's uh, cool to kind of see how we've both progressed with that. And, you know, there's way more advanced systems out there, but for like where you and I are at, Stessa is a, is a great tool for kind of keeping track of your accounting systems and your financial records of your properties. And it certainly helps come tax time. So yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Awesome. Well, uh, Connor, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Um, yeah, it's the uh, the Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande. Okay, that's a that's a new one to me. I haven't heard of it, so I'll definitely have to check it out. It's amazing, man. It'll change your life. Seriously. <laughs> okay. The checklist manifesto. We'll link that book in the show notes if our audience members want to check that out. Connor, last question in the lightning round. If you're to go back and give advice to your 20 year old self to get started investing in real estate, what would you tell 20 year old Connor? Get a mastermind group. <laughs> I love it. Get a mastermind group. Yeah, definitely agree. Well, Connor, hey, that is the end of the lighting round, man. It's been a lot of fun having you on the podcast. Hey, if people want to learn more about what you're doing, connect with you, reach out, ask any questions about a FHA 203K loan, where's the best place for them to find you? Bigger pockets, man. Any questions about 203K loans, hit me up. Awesome. And uh, social media, kind of the same old Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Yep, everywhere, man. All right, great. Well, hey, we'll link all your social media profiles, your bigger pockets profile in the show notes. As we're wrapping up, is there any parting piece of advice that you'd like to leave with the audience members? That's my group, man. <laughs> just yeah, just, I completely agree. Well, hey, it's been a lot of fun, Connor. Let's uh let's get you back on in the future. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Sounds good, man. It was great talking to you. Thanks, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. 
please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom LLC exclusively.